It's not as bad as it seems. You see, Doug landed a rich chick. And that night he bet me that I couldn't do the same. A rich chick? So you'd go with a woman just because she had money? No, it's not the money. He bet me that I wasn't good enough to hustle her. Hustle her? And I was worth so little to you that you could just take some stupid juvenile bet? No, a, you see, a, a guy lays down a dare, you gotta take it. Hey, everybody, welcome back to Real Ripe and Real Rotten. It's the podcast where we spend each month looking at your favorite Hollywood artists. We go to Rotten Tomatoes. We look at the best and the worst films in their Rotten Tomatoes filmography, and then we talk about it. And this month, we're talking about Tom Cruise, the famous Tom Cruise. As always, my name is Wes, and I'm here with Clay. Clay, how are you? Good. I tried to make myself a drink uh, for this particular show in the style of the movie, and I have to tell you, my kitchen is covered in broken glass and spilt liquor. But you have thousands of people just wrapped by your incredible skill at flipping a vodka bottle over. Oh, yeah, I, I just I just put on a uh, a hollow cu- hollow eighties cover of a fifties classic, and yep. the people just flock to my house. Yep, yep. We're talking about uh, Tom Cruise. We're going to be talking about cocktail first, um, and it is cocktail. It's not cocktails. It's uh, a nineteen eighty eight film. It is his lowest rated film. It's at five percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow, five five percent, and. Huh. I think a good place to start off with that is just to say that... <laughs> it tells you how much research I do for this show. I'm shocked <laughs> by this. <laughs> I think a good place to start off is that um, it kind of highlights the, the the weirdness of Rotten Tomatoes, which I don't think we've ever claimed is a perfect system for ranking movies. But uh, I will say that this was this has been the most enjoyable of the bad movies, I think, to watch that we've done so far. Not to say that... Not to say that this is a good movie. It's a pretty terrible goddamn movie. But this is... It took us three movies to get to what I would consider to be a good, bad movie. And I think Cocktail kind of fits that to a T. Um, And the fact that it's at 5% on Rotten Tomatoes is a little bit odd. Uh, The Mm. fact that a good year is at 25% is a little bit odd. But I guess you just have to... Yeah, you just have to... You have to look at it as just... I don't know. It's not. It's not like a spectrum of zero to a hundred where it's increasing. You just really have to go with broad strokes with Rotten Tomatoes, I think. But anyway, we're going to be talking about Tom Cruise. Cocktail is first. A little bit of background on Mr. Cruise. His full name was Thomas Cruise Mapather the Fourth. He's professionally known as Tom Cruise. He in 2002 was Hollywood's highest paid actor, or 2012. I'm sorry, was Hollywood's highest paid actor. 16 of his films grossed over 100 million in the U.S. and 23 have grossed in excess of 200 million worldwide. Um, he is. How old do you think Tom Cruise is, Clay? Uh, f- 55. Yeah, he is 55. That's exactly right. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm super fan. Clay I'm, McCormick. I'm surprised. I would have guessed that, that he was older, but he's that, not that. He was born in Syracuse, New York, the son of Mary Lee and a. Uh, a guy named Thomas Cruz Mapather III, who was an electrical engineer who worked for a bunch of Air Force uh, institutions, both in Canada and the U.S. Are we sure that that guy is a real person and this isn't just some sort of like Highlander situation where it's the same guy? He just every 25, 30 years, he fakes his own death and steals a and creates a new identity. Because well, <laughs> Tom Cruise does not age. He catches so, a uh, whatever as far the soul concerned. Yeah, as far as I'm concerned, it could be the same person. Whatever the souls in uh, Scientology are called, he's managed to harness them. 
Uh, Cruz grew up in near poverty, had a Catholic upbringing. His family was dominated by his abusive father, who Cruz has described as a merchant of chaos, which is a pretty intense way to describe your father. Uh, <laughs> Cruz awful. has said that he was physically beaten by his father, who he is called a bully and a coward. Sorry, in not awesome. But <laughs> it's, it's terrible. Cruz I shouldn't be laughing his, about it. Part of his childhood in Canada, he moved around a lot, which is interesting. He lived in or he attended 15 schools in 14 years while he was growing up. Yowza. Which is... Illuminating. I think that might be the most illuminating fact. Anyway, his first film was a bit appearance in 1981's Endless Love. He had a major supporting role in uh, Taps later that year. In 93, he was part of the ensemble cast of The Outsiders. And in the same year, he approved. He appeared in All the Right Moves and Risky Business, which we'll be talking about after this one. That Question. Was, yep. Where does Legend fall in this in his filmography? Is That can't be after Risky Business. Legend is after Risky Business. That's 1985. No fucking way. Yep. Really? Yep. That's really surprising because Legend seems like one of those movies that you do before you become famous. Famous, yeah. So he, and then he, yeah, as I say, and he, I say that as someone who loves Legend. <laughs> <laughs> and 86 was Top Gun. Uh, so that was his kind of start. He's been nominated wow. for three Academy Awards. He's won a bunch of Golden Globes. Can you name Clay the films that have, he's gotten an Academy Award nomination for? Uh, Magnolia. Yep. Eyes Wide Shut? No. No? Oh, that's a shame, because that's the movie he... That's, he didn't know how to act for the first 25 years of his career until he made Eyes Wide Shut. Yeah. <laughs> um, Magnolia, uh, let's say Born on the Fourth of July. Yes, that is the yeah, first one. Yeah, so you're missing course. the middle one. The middle one... Came out in 1996. Oh, Jerry Maguire. Jerry Maguire, yep. So those are the three he was nominated for. Um he did a whole bunch of films. His filmography is huge. I'm not going to go into that. Everyone knows what he's done. Uh, Vanilla Sky, uh, Minority Report. This is War of the Worlds, The Last Samurai. That was a big era for him. Lions for Lambs, yeah. Tropic Thunder. Uh, he Valkyrie, which I'm only bringing up because it's the movie that I first went to see with my now wife when we started dating. Oh, we went to go see nice. Valkyrie, which it's is a nice romance. <laughs> I like uh, killing Nazis and the the. Yeah, that's the only reason I think I would remember that film. If you would, if I had not seen it in any other situation, I would have forgot. Mission Impossible's, all the Mission Impossible's, blah blah blah, everything else that's happened. Uh, he's had some of the most lucrative film deals in Hollywood. He was described in 2005 by Hollywood economist Epstein as one of the most powerful and richest forces in Hollywood. And that's about it. And then uh, you know, Scientology, it, which we will probably yes. poke fun at as we go along. But he has a whole bunch of weird personal stuff, and he's a huge Scientologist. So you can watch Going Clear, the HBO documentary, or read the book, which I would recommend to learn all about that. And Very then good. that'll segue us into uh, Tom Cruise. But how, how do you want to talk about this one, Clay? Well, I just wanted to, to say uh, Tom Cruise is one of those those interesting actors where, you know, I, I've, uh, I've, I've talked about this with Sean a couple times, Sean Murphy. Um, and he's like, what's the last bad movie that he made? Like, aside, aside from The Mummy. This was before The Mummy came out, and which is which was why The Mummy was a little bit more surprising to me than I, than, you know, I wasn't expecting, uh, let's put it this way. I was expecting The Mummy to be better based on his involvement because, like, just if you look pat, if you look back for the past 15 years, or say, say since the beginning of the, of the 21st century, what was the worst movie he's been in? They're all pretty good. Yep. I'm looking now. Uh, some of them I don't know. 
But since since 2010, it's been Night and Day, Mission Impossible, Ghost Protocol, Rock of Ages, Jack Reacher, Oblivion, Edge of Tomorrow, Mission Impossible, Jack Reacher, The Mummy. Okay, well, Night and Day, I don't think was very good okay. and rock of ages probably was very good but generally <laughs> generally he seems like he makes more good movies than he does bad movies yeah. which is fairly impressive if you think about it he's kind of a bread uh, bread pitt does the same thing bread pitt doesn't put himself in bad movies very frequently yeah and if he does is usually something kind of quirky about them that yes. kind of explains his involvement yeah um so yeah that's why when the mummy i actually can't believe the mummy isn't lower than than cocktail because I mean, come on. Um, <laughs> which was why I was I was when they announced that he was going to be in the Mummy. I was like, oh, this maybe isn't going to be as terrible as it seems because his last handful of movies pretty solid. He's a pretty solid bet, and he seems to make fairly good decisions. Yeah. Um, this movie, I don't know. This <laughs> mo- this is a, this movie's. I don't think this is a good movie. Yeah. Um, but it's also not like an offensively bad movie. I just think it's a it's a movie entirely of its era that just does not age well at all. Yeah, I think I'd I think I'd agree with that. I think that. Well, to, to start off, I guess I'll talk about what I think about Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise mm-hmm. is Tom Cruise to me is the same thing as you were saying. Like he doesn't make a lot of bad movies. I don't know if I'd call him a great actor, and I think that he. He, he kind of settled into a, a different phase of his career after like 20, uh, 2005, sort of like now he's the the action hero you wouldn't really expect a la Liam Neeson in a lot of right, ways. Like he's right. just kind of in these big action-y blockbuster movies. And I think that he he's not... He kind of... Sorry, I was just going to say, he kind of has three sections of his career. Yes. Right? He's got Tom Cruise, the movie star, Right which is basically up until Eyes Wide Shut. Then he works with Stanley Kubrick. Stanley Kubrick teaches him how to act, and he turns into Tom Cruise, the actor. Yeah. And then at a certain point, around the point that you're saying, he turns into Tom Cruise, the action star. I would say it's around The Last Samurai. That seems to be the dividing line in 2003. Yeah, I think that seems to be the crossover point, because that movie, I I love The Last Samurai. I think that movie's great. So in between, he had Eyes Wide Shut, Magnolia, uh, the others, Vanilla Sky, Minority Report, Austin Powers, Narc, Shattered Glass. Those are the movies in between Last Samurai uh, and Eyes Wide Shut. I don't. I think those might be movies he produced because I don't think he's in the others. Oh, he's not in uh, Narc. Yes, he's in. Yeah, he's he, not in Narc. He has a cameo in Austin Powers. He's in Minority yeah. Report, Vanilla Sky, The Others, and Mission Impossible and Magnolia. Yeah. Yeah, but but you know this movie, Cocktail, kind of is. I think it's the worst kind of tom cruise and after after eyes wide shut he kind of changed the way he handles stuff like this movie um is just him grinning like a fucking moron for two hours yeah and it, to the point where i was just like shut shut your mouth <laughs> shut shut your mouth <laughs> you know what i um my thing about tom cruise is that i feel that he and this is some, probably like if I were to do a little bit of armchair psychology on him, it's probably mm-hmm. down to the fact of that he switched school 15 times in 14 years or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He has a, and it comes across really strong in Cocktail. He always, his movies are split about whether or not he plays it this way or another way, Where, which I mean to say is that when I see Tom Cruise doing interviews, he comes across as an extremely fake person who's basically a brand at this point Mm -hmm. and i think that his worst acting performances like this one come across as someone who 
is pretending to which he's an actor so it fits but he's like pretending to be this person in a weird 100%, way 100 percent, i know exactly what you mean and yeah. it, it, it the way that it applies worse in this movie is every time he laughs in this movie it's the kind of fake laugh you give at someone who's not being really funny and you're just yes. like pretending to laugh at them yep yeah the the um <clears throat> the thing about moving this moving around uh in in his childhood is interesting because he uh, the thing that really made it stand out to me in this movie is he plays a character named uh, what the hell's his first name? I can't remember his first name. Tom, I wrote it down. Hold on, uh, Brian. Brian Flanagan. Brian. Brian Flanagan. Right, with an emphasis on being Irish. That felt so foreign to me as far as Tom Cruise goes because when I think about Tom Cruise, I don't think about any sort of specific like nationality he's just sort of like <laughs> a, a white guy, a white guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and to to his benefit that works because he can he can be anything and his, his last name is cruz like he calls yeah. himself cruz like there's no ethnicity to that name besides english right. obviously but yeah but when you try to to map his his uh skin onto a sort of ethnic whatever or a specific nationality it doesn't feel believable at all yeah because he and i think you know like you were saying in in his worst performances this being a very uh a, a good example he of was that. nominated for a razzie for worst actor of this this year when this movie came out cocktail yeah yeah it, he just doesn't he doesn't feel like he has any real emotion or real personality or any it's it's all comes across as very much a facade yeah and yeah, I don't think that I've ever really thought that that isn't the case with him as a person either. Obviously, I don't know the guy. I'm sure he's you know he might be a really great person in real life. I don't know. Well, the, but the, as far as his public persona goes, yeah, it feels very much like he does in this movie, where it's like you see the shell that is Tom Cruise, and that's just it. There is no like it's kind of like the. Uh, the monologue from from uh, American Psycho, where there there is an idea that is Tom Cruise, yes, but it's it's a hollow shell, that kind of thing. Every celebrity anecdote I've heard about meeting Tom Cruise, so it's like a third hand anecdote of I've heard through someone being interviewed or talking about meeting Tom Cruise, is that the impression he gives when he meets people in real life is that they're like, is Tom Cruise an alien? Kind of yeah. like he's he seems a little bit detached from reality and has sort of like weird quirks to him. Like I think the. Uh, Adam Carolla has a story about inviting him to a Super Bowl party at Jimmy Kimmel's, yes. and he showed yes. up with like cupcakes and his mother to the Super yes. Bowl party, and everyone is just like, "Why, why did you bring cupcakes? They're great, but this is like, why is your mother here? This is a very odd situation to be in." So that, that's kind of Tom Cruise's real life thing, and I think he, the moving between places, I bring that up just because he strikes me as someone who try has has been trying to fit into places so long and for so hard that his act of trying to fit in and be amenable has sort of replaced his real personality exactly yeah and i think the scientology thing makes sense if you if you distill it back to that too because th that is basically what centered him yeah it gave him a purpose you know? yeah. it gave him a purpose and it gave him uh, if not a personality, something to focus on as with his life uh, outside of uh, being being an actor. So that doesn't really surprise me at all. Um, I think it's unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I, I and I say that as someone who likes Tom Cruise generally. I think he's. Uh, I like later Tom Cruise more than I like early Tom Cruise. Like I don't particularly care for Top Gun. 
Um, and this movie is terrible. Yeah. Uh, I like I like Legend, but not because of him. Yep. Um, I'm kind of I kind of don't I don't think I've seen many like mid era Tom Cruise. I've seen Jerry Maguire, but that's about it. A few like, good men. You've seen Days of ago. Thunder, maybe Rain Man. Nope. Nope. I've seen Rain Man. Interview with the Vampire. Seen... Yes, I have seen that one. Yeah, that's a good one. I like that one. But okay. again, that's yeah, that's like an ensemble piece more than it is a Tom Cruise movie. Yes. Yeah. But like uh, Eyes Wide Shut, love Eyes Wide Shut. Magnolia, love Magnolia. Collateral, love Collateral. Yeah, Collateral's very good too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Minority Port's great. Um, the Last Samurai is really good. War of the Worlds, but I don't know. It's been a while since I've seen it. But yep. uh, Tropic Thunder, seen, fantastic. Oh yeah, he's good in Tropic Thunder. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he te- he generally tends to put in all the. I mean, all of the Mission Impossible movies except for the second one are great. Um, he generally puts in, picks good movies, and puts in a good performance for the most part. Yeah, I've noticed. I noticed. You know, we were talking about how he nothing he does really comes across as genuine, but he's always. Um, I feel like he, f- at this point in his career, he doesn't know how to play emotions, right? In, uh, in at the cocktail point, because but he does know how to do the one thing that he's really good at, which is intensity. Like I think Leonardo <laughs> yeah. DiCaprio. I think Leonardo DiCaprio has the same problem. I don't buy Leonardo DiCaprio in about ninety percent of the roles that he takes. Um, I just don't think he's as good of an actor as he thinks he is. Um, but there is a certain thing that he does really well, which is basically what he does in um, shit, uh, The Departed. Yeah. Where he acts like a, 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 a tweaked out, stressed out guy. Yeah. He's really good at that. Guy up against um, the ropes. Yeah. yeah. Tom Cruise, very good at intensity. The one thing you can say about Tom Cruise is he is intense. If you go back, I remember the trailer for um, uh, uh, the first... What's the oh shit? What the hell's the name of that movie? You just you just talked about Jack Reacher, the first Jack Reacher movie. Like the, there's a shot of him changing gears in the car, which is like the most intense gear shift I've ever seen in anything in my entire life. So he really puts the intensity in, and at this point in Cocktail, he doesn't know how to do emotions. He just does really intense versions of what he thinks those emotions are. Yeah. yeah. So when he laughs, it's a very intense laugh. Yeah. When he cries, it's a very intense cry. It's not like a honest reaction it's just a very intense reaction yeah it's it's hard to describe it's i wouldn't say he's a bad actor it just it doesn't come across as genuine on some level like he's almost he'd almost be a better stage actor in some ways because it's Mm, very broad and like projects very well um and and yeah that's that's really the the takeaway that i get from him but it's funny that you mentioned sort of the uh i was looking at reviews to sort of lead up to this and as a short segue, I ended up on Roger Ebert, and um, I miss Roger Ebert. Roger Ebert, I think, now that I've been doing these more movie podcasts, I, I come back to Roger Ebert's reviews quite frequently because mm. Rotten Tomatoes is funny. If you go to a Rotten Tomatoes site and you click on some of the reviews to see what people think, a lot of modern film reviews are one and a half paragraphs where half of it is describing the plot of the movie, yep. and then they give a couple sentences about, like, something so vague that you don't even know if the person watched it. They might have just flipped a coin to decide if they liked it or not. And then they're like, good acting, terrible direction, but I can't wait to see what they come up with next. Like, that's the movie review. Yeah, most modern reviews, I usually just scroll down to the last paragraph and read the rest of them. And I don't know if they're just trying to get the the placement on Rotten Tomatoes because they're a major site and they just want people to click through to their site or whatever. But Mm -hmm. Roger Ebert was... If you read all of his reviews, everything is kind of a little bit of a different thing. He doesn't have like a formula. 
to how he, right. he reviews movies. He does like and, a. Go ahead. You can really you can really tell when he's had a bad day. Too. Yeah, right. You can't like. <laughs> it's, the it's the one review journal. that I've read of his. Yeah, the one review I read of his that I to this day I don't understand is he gave the the usual suspect zero stars. Yeah, yeah, I didn't and like if you it. Read that. Yeah, if you read that inter- that review, it's just him being like. I don't know, guys. I didn't know what was going on in this movie. I couldn't follow it. I just honestly, I didn't care. Like he didn't. He like he really didn't put in the effort on that day. <laughs> and it's unfortunate it was such a huge. It wouldn't have mattered if it was some no name movie, no one had saw. But it becomes this huge thing, and everyone has to right. go back. Uh, but he's he's really creative with his reviews, which is what I like. So this is not the review for this is the review for Days of Thunder. I'm just going to read a little bit. Days of Thunder is an entertaining example of what we might call the Tom Cruise picture since it assembles most of the same elements that worked in Top Gun, The Color of Money, and Cocktail, and runs them through the formula once again. Parts of the plot are beginning to wear out their welcome, but the key ingredients are still effective. They include, one, the Cruise character, invariably a young and naive but naturally talented kid who could be the best if ever he could tame his rambunctious spirit. (laughs) Two, the mentor, an older man who has done it himself and has been there before and knows the talent when he sees it and who has faith in the kid, even when the kid screws up. Three, the superior woman, Older, taller, and more mature than Cruz, who functions as a mentor for his spirit, while the male mentor supervises the craft. For the craft, the gifted young man must master a craft. Five, the arena. The young man must be tested in an arena. Six, the arcana, consisting of the specialized knowledge and lore that the movie knows all about and we get to learn. There's a couple more after that, but I think that that's true for a lot of the Cruz movies that lead up to this. And it's true for Cocktail as well. Well, it's it's very much. I mean, what he's describing is more or less an abridged version of the hero's journey kind of thing. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, and I always forget about the color of money. Color of money is fucking great. Uh, I I am not the biggest Scorsese fan. I I don't know if I'm just someone who likes to um, uh, uh, be uh, have the counter argument as far as Scorsese goes because everybody seems to love him so much. But I think his better movies are his lesser known movies. Mm-hmm. And Color of Money's fantastic, and also The King of Comedy, I think, is his best movie. But that's neither here nor there. Um, but yeah, those are all very similar. Um, I actually, it's it's interesting that he calls out that structure as the Tom Cruise movie, because for Cocktail, I didn't even think about how similar it was to like Top Gun, but it's yeah, it's kind of the same. Um, this felt like the like basically like blue collar Wall Street to me. Yeah, you know, like like even down to the point where you've got your older mentor character who's got like his rules of success that he's doling out and all that kind of stuff, and it's about a you know a a a kid out of college or in this case just out of the national the army or the national guard or whatever um, trying to make it in New York and seemingly only failing upwards and the biggest problem he has is that he's got two rich women who want to sleep with him yeah. instead of just nobody. <laughs> yeah. Like this movie made me mad. Um for, I, I said on Twitter uh that I think this movie is probably uh Kurt um, Russell Crowe. Russ, Russell Crowe in the uh the a good year's favorite movie. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's the same kind of thing where it's like at no point in this movie are the stakes really even relatable <laughs> no well i mean yeah let's let's talk about cocktail so general impression i me and amy watched this and we just we just laughed like it was just like a it's the movie that you go what the fuck is happening every like every yeah. 10 minutes you're just like why how how did he get there what's happening here and i think that um cocktail is 
Cocktail is not a, a like an offensive movie to watch. I do think it's no, a good no. bad movie. It's like it's enjoyably 80s. Everything about it is so dated. And the the sort of thing about it uh, the, from Ebert's review, it, and I'll kick it back. Sorry. Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say it posits a world in which the hottest nightclub in New York is TGI Friday. I well, we'll, <laughs> we'll get to that because I had to stop the movie and run to Wikipedia to understand what was happening. Um the in Ebert's review for Cocktail, he says Cocktail is an interesting movie about drinking and bartending that seems to know absolutely nothing about drinking or bartending. See, the name of the game is woman. Little darlings come in a panting, the little hearts a pitter patting for the handsome, all-knowing bartender. And in their wake, a parade of slobbering geeks with one hand on their crotches and the other hand on their wallets. You get the women, you get the bucks, and boy, oh boy, you got them. Buttons were popping, skirts were rising. When you can see the color of their panties, and you know you got talent. <laughs> Stick with me, son, I'll make you a star. Thanks, man, but I gotta be honest. This is just a part-time gig for me. I'm in a business program, City College days. Ah, seeker of wisdom and truth. Well, you couldn't have found a better work-study program than right here, to a future leader of America. I'll stick with the brew. Beer is for breakfast around here. Drink or be gone. This is a movie that the concept I do not understand whatsoever because it posits a world where bartenders uh, are doing like backflips and flip flipping bottles and they take 10 mm-hmm. minutes to serve a drink and they're like high-fiving each other and they're very high stakes. They're like celebrity bartenders. And not only that, but the crowds that go to bars are willing to put up with it because they're such great entertainment that they don't really care about getting drinks. They just want to see the bartenders. And none of that makes any sense to me. That feels completely unlike anything I've ever seen. And the movie isn't like a, it's not like a beer fest comedy where I'm just like, okay, this in this world, this is the kind of bartending that goes on. Yeah. Uh, It it, it feels too realistic for that. So it comes across as really odd. It's like, it's like those episodes of like Saved by the Bell or really any sort of kids uh, middle young adult show where uh, the kids put a band together and do like a shitty cover. But the episode is like they're playing in front of the Rolling Stones right. and they're being signed. It's like there's no concept of how this world actually works. It's just a idealized, fictionalized version of how cool it must be to be a bartender in New York. <laughs> right. It's it's very, like, it feels like Coyote Ugly a little bit. Yep. Like, yep. The, the whole, and I don't know if, the, I mean, obviously Coyote Ugly is after this, so maybe, you know, I mean, it's also a real thing. I mean, the, so the more exaggerated maybe, maybe version. Maybe this is, oh, go ahead. Well, the more exaggerated version I was thinking is Roadhouse, kind of. Yes. You know, yeah. Like, it's a more toned down version of Roadhouse in a lot of ways. Unfortunately, oh, actually, no, technically someone does get their throat ripped out in this movie. So, yeah, it is very similar to Roadhouse in that way. <laughs> Let's see here. Uh, I, just... I thought, uh, I, I, sorry, I was just going to say, um, just uh, uh, going back to sort of like the, the Tom Cruise movie sort of thing or like the kind of movie this is, the thing that really stood out to me in the opening credits that kind of told me everything I needed to know was very close to the beginning and very large. There was a credit for um, the, uh, it says cocktail album supervised yeah. by. Yes. Yeah. Which it's right in the pocket. This is eighty eight, right? This is eighty eight. Eighty eight, right in the pocket of where soundtracks have become huge. 
And uh, apparently in lieu of getting Kenny Loggins to write something for your soundtrack, you just take a bunch of old rock and roll songs and re-record them. Yeah, I guess the guy's Um, name is Maurice Jarre or Jar, something like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know that. I know that name. I I can't remember what else he's done, but I've definitely heard the name before. Uh, Yeah, and it's, it's just, it's very much like a... It's it's the most commercial kind of movie, you know, where it's like every aspect of this is going to be something that they could sell at a different. And I mean, that's the I mean, obviously, that's the point of movies is to be as commercial as possible. But this feels like the most kind of commercial movie at the time. Um, this before is, you, st- but that that wasn't like a big budget blockbuster. This is my one bit of trivia. Uh, the the cast and crew who talked about this movie and the production that went into it is based on a movie, the original screenplay. Uh, said that the original script, everyone said the original script was fantastic. They said it was mm-hmm. this dark comedy about uh, like the price of celebrity on some level. Yep. And it was really funny, really dark, really sad. Tom Cruise got listed as mm. the lead role. And they, re- they rewrote the script because they wanted it to be more family friendly. And the original author who wrote the original screenplay was not happy with the way that the screenplay turned out obviously this, this was the family friendly version this is the family friendly <laughs> version so tom cruise uh and a lot of the quotes are funny about it it's just like people are just like you know it was really great but then you know tom got signed tom's a nice guy but once tom cruise is attached to your picture it has to be a certain kind of movie and that's right. the way that it, they went with it right uh yeah i mean it, it doesn't surprise me at all. I mean, I've heard I heard that coming out of the Mummy as well, where it's like you know they had a certain thing that they were trying to do, but as soon as he became involved, he became, you know, he wants to make sure that the movie is going to work up to his standards, and you know you can't say no to Tom Cruise. Right, he's going to make you money. So it, it's whether, exactly, yeah, what, yeah. What he's doing do. he's doing you a favor basically yeah. <laughs> by being there. So <laughs> yeah. you may as well listen to him. So let's talk about cocktail because cocktail is hysterical on a lot of levels to me cocktail is a movie that makes very little sense um tom cruise plays a someone coming out of the army or something i think someone says he's coming back from war which doesn't make a lot of sense to me uh he returns to new york and he's got dreams of making a million dollars he reads all these books that have titles like how to make a million dollars he hangs out with his uncle only only one Donald Trump joke in this movie. Yes, I was surprised. Only, only I was one. expecting I was expecting him to be reading Art of the Deal at some point. Not even a joke. It's more they it's a praise of Donald Trump. He's not yet a joke mm. in the universe uh, of right. this. So yeah, it's it's a like he I think it's a professor talking to his students saying one day you might be as successful as Donald Trump. Um oh, I I just want to point out again how kind of I- ironic it is in retrospect that uh <clears throat> at least up to this point I, I was like, is this a documentary? Because it's about a guy who works at TGI Fridays and his idea for a multi-million dollar business idea is to turn a bar into something so digestible that it's in every <laughs> shopping mall in the country. And it's like, oh, my God. Yeah. Is this actually about the guy who started TGI Fridays? All right. So we'll, we'll get into that. So I'm, I'll just bump through this. where he, he goes to his uncle. His uncle is a guy, an old Irish guy who works in Queens. He owns his own bar. And Tom Cruise does the dramatic film thing of he walks up to the chain link fence and he looks through and he sees Manhattan in the distance and he knows he can he can just barely touch it. Smash cut to uh, an interview sequence, which was filmed maybe six months later because Tom Cruise's hair is five times the oh, length. Oh, yeah. His hair is completely different. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's he gets rejected from all these jobs. So he's walking home. And he gets a job at a bar. He goes in and he meets this guy who's played by, is it Byron Brown? Is that that guy's name? 
I don't know. The only other thing I know him from is the movie FX, which is a movie I don't think anybody has seen. Yeah, it's so. Bri- <laughs> Brian Brown. He's, he becomes this mentor. He's the bartender. He says, sure, Tom Cruise, I'll give you a job. The next 10 minutes is him going through this job. I was spending the whole 10 minutes that he's working at this bar going, why are all the waitresses in this Upper East Side classy bar dressed like their TGI Fridays waitresses? Yeah. And then we're, we're watching it, we're watching it, and I'm going, I can't understand what kind of thing this is. And then it cuts to an exterior, and it is the original TGI Fridays yep. location. And just to blow your mind, I had to stop the movie at that point and say, why is this in the TGI Fridays? Apparently, when TGI Fridays came out, it was a swinging nightclub. It was like really? the, it was a high-end singles mixer, like very prestigious, very like you want the place you want to be kind of place before they franchised it and turned it into a family restaurant. Huh. I didn't know that. That's interesting. So I, I don't mean, I don't know if this makes... is the case in '88s or if they're supposed to be in the past at some point. But yeah, it was apparently a good place to be. Yeah, I mean. It kind of is an interesting uh, uh, epilogue to this movie because that's basically where he ends up. Right. (laughs) That's the road he ends up on, even, you know, even though he's at some other, you know, bullshit bar. But not in Jamaica, unfortunately. No, unfortunately, no. So having just come back from Jamaica, uh, not entirely different from that. No, no. So what's uh, I don't know. We don't we don't have to go too much into the plot. There are there are moments to do and everything. But what do you. What what was your reaction while you're watching this one? You you sound like you weren't too negative on it. You kind of, maybe you enjoyed it a little bit. Yeah, I enjoyed stuff about it. I thought the um, I thought the for for lack of a better term, the special effects were good. <laughs> sure. uh, like all the the acrobatics that they do with the the cocktail. I mean, that stuff is fun. Uh, you know, it's like I said, it it doesn't it doesn't just doesn't age well. It's it's not the kind of movie. It's a movie perfect for 1988. You know, it's it's about it's about a kid who uh, thinks that you know the world is his, and he goes out there and he's got he he picks up bartending in like apparently six hours. Yes. He knows how to do everything. Yeah. Um, and then from that point on, it's only about uh, being the most successful at bartending, uh, sleeping with hot chicks. And going to Jamaica, making a bunch of money, and then it turns out that uh, you know the the girl that he really <laughs> loves is also rich. Um, you know, it's like it's one of those. It's like a, it's very much a '80s, a young '80s man fantasy movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I just don't really think plays anymore. Uh, it, it just I don't know. I I it, it was tough for me to watch this movie given the current like political climate and economic climate and, and, and feel like it was a good escape. You know what I mean? Sure. Yes. I see. I think it's much, I think it's much worse of a movie than just a functional outdated movie. I'm not saying that that's all that you think it is, but yeah, I think it's a, it's a movie that the tone totally shifts over the course of the movie. Like he stops bartending about halfway of the movie through and it just becomes a, like heavy-handed drama morality tale or something like that where the the opening part is him juggling bottles and becoming this bartender and you know honestly i i spend the first after he goes to jamaica right and it jump cuts to jamaica and he's bartending in jamaica mm-hmm. i was sitting there wondering why did we watch the first 20 minutes of this movie Right, right. Be- like there, there's nothing in that that you really need to know because everything that happens after that could be explained by subtle exposition. Yeah. Um, 
and then it would move into the 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 relationship aspect and everything like that but i just i i thought that the brian brown character is ridiculous like the whole interactions <laughs> here that people have with tom cruise is absurd like he he becomes this guy's best friend they start talking about opening businesses tom cruise gets laid and amy's point was why is tom cruise not getting more laid leading up to this point <laughs> and he yes. gets he gets laid where they have this vicious rolling around sex like the most the most rolling anyone's ever done in their lives and then he tells brian brown about it and brian brown reacts and if it was a like a movie that took place 10 years later he would be revealed to be homosexual by the end of the movie because he <laughs> he totally cock blocks tom cruise in this really weird angry way like he reacts so negatively to tom cruise being in a relationship you get the sense that he's jealous of him Right, and it's not. He does it just to sort of sabotage Tom Cruise's aspirations because he wants he wants him to be part of his Barnum and Bailey uh, circus bartending act and go on and do things. And then it cuts to Jamaica. Yeah, that that whole thing, the relationship between those two is really fascinating because like it never really pays off. Uh, it's just, I mean, I'm not. I guess it doesn't necessarily have to because like I don't know. I don't know if the movie's necessarily about it. But uh, I, th- I think yeah. it has to be more. There's a- after all this horrible stuff that happens, and they go to Jamaica. He just shows up, and Tom Cruise is like, "This guy back in my life after all these yeah. years." You know, and he's so he so easily falls into the trap of. So <laughs> the thing I was trying to figure out is uh, okay. So he's in love with Elizabeth Shue. I mean, I, who wouldn't be? Sure. Um, and then he goes for this this dare that uh, or this bet that Brian Brown puts on him to go sleep with this rich woman. Yes, Brian and Brian like, Brown plays Tom Cruise like a harp from hell to quote uh, oh, the Penguin. Yes. Yeah, this entire yeah. movie. And not only does Tom Cruise go through with it, like at the at the end of the night, Brian Brown is long gone. Yeah, <laughs> there's no reason why why Tom Cruise has to follow through with sleeping with this woman. But obviously, I mean, yeah. you know, like it. That that aspect would have played more with me if it had been established that he is someone who sleeps around. Yes. But he's yeah. so but the first relationship they show him in is one that he is, for all intents and purposes, monogamous in. Yep. And yep. like looking forward to the monogamy of. So having him fuck it up by sleeping with this rich woman, I don't know. It didn't really like the, it it didn't seem like it made a lot of character sense given what we had seen up to that point no and the tom cruise is what his motivation is like he starts out he starts out seeming almost like he kind of just wants a business like he wants to be a success at something he wants to make a lot of money but that's just kind of hand in hand with being a success yeah after he moves to jamaica it's more about just getting money and tom cruise doesn't even really say that it's what other characters tell him to do and he's like yes i must get money i will sleep with this rich woman uh, and, she- and you know, and all that stuff felt weird to me too because like his move to Jamaica comes after that big you know breakup he has with uh, Brian Brown, and it felt much more just like a I need to get out of here kind of move, like a uh, I, I need to I need to be alone for a while than it did. Oh, I'm going to Jamaica to make a shitload of money, even though they did talk about doing that. Yeah, like the, right. The, the quickness no in which he does it. Yeah. Yeah, the quickness with which he does it seemed much more like just a reaction of I need to get out of New York kind of thing. So so having it be so much about just getting money seemed kind of strange, too. Yeah, yeah. And when he's... Because uh, 
after the first time he mentions the opening up his own play up opening up their own place, he never mentions it again until the end of the movie. No, no. Like so, the getting the money thing. There's not even like an end game there. There's no. Well, I mean, I guess, I guess technically there is the point where he he tells Brian Brown that he's shacking up with this rich woman who's going to give him like a hundred thousand dollars or something. <laughs> like that. But even but even so, it's like it doesn't feel like it's a driving motivation for him. Right. That's the perfect way to describe it. Tom Cruise doesn't. Tom Cruise's character doesn't feel like he has. His motivation isn't really affecting him. It feels like it's it's yeah. kind of window dressing for this is what the movie wants to be it, but the character himself doesn't ever come across that way. Although, right, well, I, I will say that Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise in this movie might be the most like amoral character that's ever been put to film <laughs> on some level because he's he's really truly a terrible person all the way to the end. Like the the end of the movie, I, I feel like that the movie sort of veers. After Jamaica, the movie veers into this weird self-parody sort of form of what's going on, where it's a lot of, like, what-the-fuck-is-happening moments in the audience. Um, so it turns out that he sleeps with Elizabeth Shue, and he goes home to back to New York with this rich woman. Elizabeth Shue mm-hmm. sees him with the rich woman. She gets upset and leaves. He goes back to New York with the rich woman, and they break up because, you know, he, he doesn't want to put up with her a highfalutin uh, art house ways and he's going to go off and do his own thing be his own success and then he goes and she's and she's you know she's basically using him as a lap dog essentially yes yeah right she's she's much older she's the the thing that ebert listed the the female strong mentor or whatever and right. then he go he breaks up with her then he goes back and he's like i'm gonna find elizabeth shoe and he goes into the diner that she works and they meet and then she brings him back and they have they have a fight and they're fighting, and the greatest line in the movie comes at that point. She says, "How could you uh, sleep with someone while we were, you know, barely knowing each other in Jamaica?" <laughs> and he says, "Hey, listen. When a guy lays down a dare, you gotta take it." <laughs> <laughs> and then she says, "Oh, I'm pregnant," mm-hmm. which. I spent the next ten minutes saying, "When is she going to tell him that she's not really pregnant and she's just I fucking was thinking with him. that I was thinking that too, yeah, and it doesn't happen she is she is actually pregnant, and that is yeah. the thing that carries the rest of the movie where Tom Cruise has to sort of fight for Elizabeth Shue, who he spent six hours with in Jamaica one day, and he chases her all the way to New York and has to deal with her father, has to deal with her, has to deal with her doorman who is like trained in martial arts. <laughs> <laughs> and then resolve the movie and that's about it so we can talk yeah. about the ending because it's uh absurd well, the, the the moment the moment when they when you find out that elizabeth shoe is also rich i literally said fuck you at the screen yeah because it just it felt like another version of that uh uh devil's choice from a good year where it's like well you can either uh stay with the rich woman and just have to be have everything paid for you and just have sex with her for the rest of your life or whatever, or you can go with Elizabeth Shue, who loves you and uh, is having your child and is also rich. <laughs> you know, it's like it's not really it's not really that much of a of a. They try to make it into something else by having the father try to pay him off and yeah. be like, you know, you're you know, my daughter's too good for you, that kind of shit. <laughs> it's like, come on, after like a year. 
after like a year, that stuff's gonna blow over, and they're married. They have a kid. It's got, they're, they're gonna be welcomed back into the family. It's not an issue. Just the just the logic of it. Like, what kind of relationship does Elizabeth Shue have with her father, where she has a one night stand where she meets a guy for six hours, goes home and tells her father not only that this happened, but his like name, and the father knows yeah. everything about him when he shows up, <laughs> and it's like, why why did she tell him all this information? That's so that's so bizarre that she would do that. My my favorite part of the movie was when uh, when they meet in Jamaica and he asks her what he what she does and she says that she's an artist and uh, and he says oh you pay the bills with that and she's like yeah sometimes and I was like oh that's interesting she's a working must be a working commercial illustrator right no she's like a like an abstract fine art <laughs> painter and I can tell you she is not paying the bills with that at that point I should have been like oh her parents are clearly rich yes yep yep <laughs> she's got her she's got her studio apartment and she's got all her art laid out and. Daddy is not to say that it can't be done. I'm just saying it's no. harder than they make it seem. Yes, absolutely. Um, and you I know, mean, I, I was just gonna say over, overall, like the like the character the character arc for Tom Cruise in this movie should be right. Um, idealist young kid uh, trusts Brian Brown too early, falls into like a you know uh, gets attached. Brian Brown betrays him, so then he turns into a callous uh, capitalist who is only after money, yep. who then in the end gets softened and turned around by Elizabeth Shue, right? Yes. But you don't really get a sense of that at all. It's just sort of like him kind of floating through life. Right. And also, I think it's also hampered by the fact that until until the a point where um, – Brian Brown says, uh, "Oh, I, I've known this guy for three years. I had no idea how much time had passed at all." No, that was that was a comment we had. We were unsure between Tom Cruise's constantly changing hair length and what was going on. We're like, is this intentionally jumping time? Like, and when he goes to Jamaica, why don't they put a little Kyra on? This is three years later. Like, yeah, there's, there's nothing to lose by doing that. It was a very odd decision. And like, how long was he with that woman for? Because th- there's this point at the end where he goes back to his uncle's bar. And it's like he walks in like they haven't seen each other in such a long time, or at least, well, I should say, I think that's how it's supposed to be, but it doesn't feel that way. And then he sits down at the bar and he says, uh, I'm going to be a dad. And in my head, I'm like, is the uncle going like, you couldn't even be in the city for like a year and a half (laughs) without knocking somebody like it's like, I have no, it could, is it five years? Is it six years? And if it's that long, how come the uncle isn't like, holy shit, I haven't seen you in five years <laughs> or something? <laughs> like, there's no, like that 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 interaction at the end really made me like I feel felt like ah, this should be a little bit weightier or something. I don't know, right? Because he's but, at least been in Jamaica for three years, it seems like, or you know, he's it's or been... I mean, I don't know, was he was he working with Brian Brown for three years and he's only been in Jamaica for like six months? I don't know. I don't think. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think they ended they ended that immediately. I guess when he. Yeah, when he punched him right in the face at that nightclub, which a nightclub which supports the bartender standing up and doing poor poetry to people, and everyone shuts up and turns the music down and listens to the bartender. Yeah, generally in these movies, I tend to go, "Oh man, that club looks so cool. I wish I could have been in that club in the eighties." Right. This is one where I would not say that. Yes, the you know what it reminded me of. I and if we ever talk about Air Force One, the one thing that uh, God willing, yeah, the, the, this movie. This movie is one of the movies that it fetishizes a particular position. Like it, it can, it, it thinks yeah. that bartenders are like the the greatest people in the world, and people just love bartenders. 
Air Force One is that way when you pay attention to how often people's people will just end this end a, like a conversation by just saying like he's the president damn it yeah. like they 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 fetishize the position of president so much that they're willing to do anything to save Harrison Ford in this yeah. movie well you know it's that's that's an interesting thing because you know you're you're taking a line of work for lack of a better term um that isn't really explored in a lot of movies or stuff like that. And you're, you're trying to create a culture around it. You know, you're trying to, you, you want to tell a story that takes place. That's about a bartender, right? But you want to, so in order to do that, you want to create a world in which bartending is the most important thing in the world. Yes. And, you know, and that's just one of the things you have to deal with. I mean, if, if you're trying to create a story based on a certain, uh, line of work or vocation like Black Swan or The Wrestler, right? Uh, Black Swan is, treats it as though ballet dancing is the most important thing in the world. But the way that Black Swan and The Wrestler succeed, where I think this movie fails and other movies like this can fail, is it doesn't have to be the most important thing in the world to everybody. Right, exactly. It just has to be the most important thing in the world to the main character of the story. Yes. So when you when you get into these things where it's like, where it's like uh, you know where they would have like not that this happens in cocktail but it would be like you have a movie about bartenders where they're covering the national bartending championships on ESPN or something yeah, right. like that. Like that shit that just doesn't happen. Yeah, exactly. And or I mean even like Kingpin Kingpin posits a world where bowling is like the most ex- exciting sport in the world. Which for that movie it works fine. But for generally it's like you have to kind of you know, I, I'm a big proponent, as I've talked before, about um, setting parameters of your world and knowing how far your world expands into other stuff. Yes. And, uh, yeah, going too big with this stuff makes it feel really hollow very quickly. It's the scenes like when he's in Jamaica and Brian Brown comes up and is just giving him shit. Like, they're, they're, they're back and forth is some of the worst banter I think I've ever seen written yeah, on it's film. Really like, bad. <laughs> how come I've always got the chippies and you're always with the princess? Well, that's a question only you can answer. This man's phenomenal. Put him in a room full of women, and he goes to the poorest and the dumbest every single time. The man's astounding. His wife parades half naked on the beach, and he thinks she's just there for the sun. My wife does not need other men. You know what they say about sexual vanity in men over 40? It's a first sign of senility. Please try to keep your envy in check. Ooh, envy. He's my protege. I told him all I know. Together with the token might get me on a subway. <laughs> you can only take a guy so far. Then it's a question of biology. Biology is destiny. Ah, the old philosopher. <laughs> you see, there are two kinds of people in this world. The workers and the hustlers. The hustlers never work and the workers never hustle. And you, my friend, are a worker. God knows I've tried to beat that instinct out of him, but it's there ingrained in your immigrant blood. Look how tasty your cocktails are. Look how clean you keep your bar. Why, man, you actually take pride in your work. It's far too aggressive, and they don't have a friendly edge to it. Um, yes. And so it, it comes across as weird that Tom Cruise would re- remain friends with Brian Brown because it doesn't really seem like they like each other. On it's because of his intensity. Right. Like, yeah. he doesn't know how to be, like, casually snarky he's just intensely snarky well when, when like the, the scene where him and brian brown are jarring at each other tom cruise is doing the actorly bit of he's looking at the extras who are the people at the bar who are customers who are sort of paying attention to it 
and he's right. kind of, he's kind of going like, <laughs> like he's trying to laugh it off, and it comes across so fake and so horrible that like, if it was a, a movie that was any sense grounded in reality, the customer would just be like, can you can you guys stop talking to me? Like why why are you trying to drag me into your horrible argument here? I'd rather just uh, I, the people would stand up and leave and that kind of a thing. It doesn't happen in this movie. It's weird. Yeah, and he's got this weird like. Uh passive aggressive smile that he does yes he's very passive aggressive where he smiles but he he has his lips pursed and it's like a very specific tom cruise smile because he's got a lot of them um where it's like he does that one when he's when he's trying to be passive aggressive and snarky to somebody yeah so after the baby reveal he's in turmoil he uh he eventually ends up with brian brown again they're at a fancy party brian brown is married rich he's uh he is married to some woman who's successful or something. He invests all of his money in commodities, which is what they say, and he loses all his money. He's he's broke. Uh, Tom Cruise goes to drive his wife back, and she tries to seduce him, and Tom Cruise says, no, I'm a man of integrity. I won't screw the wife of Brian Brown, my good friend who I hate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he goes back to find him, and he walks in, and Brian Brown has slit his throat with a bottle of whiskey or brandy, whatever the hell they were drinking, and Tom Cruise very aggressively, very like aggressively. He, he looks like he looks like he just like slammed his neck down onto the sh- <laughs> the broken bottle and just <laughs> like like a vampire tore his throat out. <laughs> a, and Tom Cruise grows. Tom Cruise screams, "Help me! Help me!" Mm-hmm. As they show the exterior of the boat. Um, I I can't laugh. Me and Amy both burst out laughing when we walked in. He was just dead <laughs> in a pile of blood. Because it is, it's so unexpected, and it's so not what the the movie is about. Like, why why did Brian Brown need to kill himself at the very end? There, it was, it was just so. Why why doesn't he just have drank himself to death? Yeah, that would make more sense, right? That's thematic. That's the tra- yeah, that's the trajectory they have him on. Is he's basically, or I mean, theoretically, he should be essentially the dark timeline version of Tom Cruise, right? Yes. Yeah, and because because they make a point at the beginning of the movie. Where he offers him a drink and he's like, "No, I'm going to stick with beer." And then he, you know, again, gives him a shot. Yeah, yeah. He basically dares him to take a shot, and you can't not answer a dare. Um, and then from <laughs> that point on, he starts drinking a lot. So like, there's, there's, and Brian Brown is always drinking. So you'd think that there was a, you know, if if they just had him, you know, Jimi Hendrix himself, yep, on the on the boat, then that would make a lot more thematic sense. But I think, I think. I think just the movie has gotten so kind of aimless by that point that you need to do something shocking to get you back into the story. <laughs> it's it's a comical amount of blood. Like I'm sure people oh, do yeah. bleed quite a bit when they do that, but it's like it's like a horror movie scene when he walks in there and he's just laying on the table with the blood everywhere. It's it's really really grotesque, and that that causes Tom Cruise to realize the error of his ways. He goes and finds Elizabeth Shue. He breaks into the penthouse, which is very easy to get into, uh, obviously. Mm-hmm. He gets up there. He runs around. He says, I want to marry you. Uh, I've known you for eight hours now by this point, and I think that we should really hit it off together. The doorman comes in, and they sort of have an action sequence where Elizabeth Shue and Tom Cruise fight the doorman. (laughs) And Tom Cruise literally kicks people in the ass twice in this movie, which I noted, which was a very interesting thing. Someone's got their back turned to him, and he kicks him right in the ass. I'll be honest with you. I think that's an underrated move. If you take, like, the toe of a shoe right in the ass, yeah. that's, that's going to hurt. 
it doesn't I don't care who I don't care who you are. It doesn't look very powerful. Is the the problem with it? It's certainly it's certainly painful, but it doesn't look very imposing. And then you just I mean I'm telling you, you get a wingtip right in the right in the pooper, and it's not, <laughs> you're not gonna have a good day. Former loafer, for my gophers, former gophers, or loafers, former gophers. Um, <laughs> yeah, and Tom Cruise fights, and then they run off and they get married. And uh, Tom Cruise's uncle gives them a ten thousand dollar loan, and he opens his own bar, and. He's going to be living the dream of being a bartender who has twins for babies because things can always get worse. And then that's uh, and, the end of the movie. And he like at his thing at the end, he's people are asking him to do a poem like that's his thing, yeah, even yeah. though he only did that once on the spur of the moment, like an hour and 40 minutes ago. Yep. Like he never does that again ever in the movie. Why is that like his thing? No, you'd think you'd get a taste of it in Jamaica or something. He'd give like a little sort of regional flair to his poetry, but he really doesn't. And again, people are just wrapped by the bartender doing poetry up on the bar. Yeah, this movie, Tom Cruise in this movie felt like he was doing his best Michael J. Fox impression. Like I felt like this movie would have been a lot more uh, relatable if Michael J. Fox had been playing that character, especially that scene where he's studying for class and then he's late so he's like slapsticking his way out the front door right. i was like I, that scene was like <laughs> that that was a a plus michael michael j fox scene right there yeah i think that the um it's a it's a it's a it's a movie that's really kind of hokey and doesn't really know where it's where what it's trying to say or what it's trying to do about anything i mean there's for a movie about drinking there's no hangovers or anything like that like no one shows the weird the downsides yeah, really, of drinking? Yeah, there, there really isn't. There's just uh, Elizabeth Shue's friend passing out on the beach. But, I mean, aside from yes. that, it's... Well, I mean, I guess... Tom Unintended Cruise pregnancy, does have that, maybe? Yeah. Tom Cruise does have that kind of little monologue he gives about, you know, bartending is something that you're supposed to do at night while you work on your day job. But then the longer you do it, the more you're drinking and partying, and the nights get longer, and the days get short. Like, and there's, the, there's a little bit of that when he's... You know he's showing up late for class and he's tired, but it's not. It's it's never explicitly like he's hungover. It's just that he's working late. Yeah, and it's something from all the sort of bartenders and late night bar staff people that I've known. That that like field turns very weird very quickly. Like yeah, no one, no one, no one. It's a certain kind of personality that gets into that work, and I'm talking about like bar wait staff and stuff like. Not a restaurant that closes at seven o'clock or something, but like something right. that's later. It's the people tend to. You need hand-eye coordination, like you would not believe. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a it's a job that I that are it's kind of taken up by the people I've known who do it are just more. I don't know how to describe it. It's it's a little bit darker than this movie wants to portray. Like the, the late, <laughs> I, like I don't think you want to be a bartender at le, for that amount of time. You know, it's fine every once in a while or fine doing it as a, uh, a gig for, you know, uh, just to make some money or something. But the people who do it full time for a long time tend to come out a little bit more twisted than Tom Cruise does by the end of this mm. one. And yeah. that's a generalization, but that's just sort of the people that I've known who've done it. And I don't You're know. You're get letters from the Bar Association. I know. That's the, what the Bar Association is, right? Yeah. Bartenders? <laughs> I'll just go to my community college and figure out how to become yeah. a lawyer and then get around it. Uh, my favorite... My favorite sort of tiny moment that just shows you that no one really cares about a movie is when he goes to the to the diner, right? As uh, Elizabeth mm-hmm. Shue works at a diner. So he goes in there in the morning. People are eating like eggs and pancakes. He sits down and the table next to him goes, 
uh, excuse me, miss, we have tickets to the theater. Can you bring yeah. us our food? And what, I, I want to know what kind of theater show is going on at 8 o'clock in the morning. The day. I, I noticed that through the entire movie. Like, there's, I could not get a handle on what time things were happening at. Because, like, like for instance, that scene I was talking about where he's late for class or whatever. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, what time is it? Like, yeah. was he there all night? Or was he, because the bar seems to be open. Yeah. But is it, like, an afternoon class? Like, any time it's, like, it's it seemed like they always needed to use the ambient light from outside. So they were always <laughs> shooting during the daytime. Because yeah, every right. scene, every scene with a window in it was was during the day almost, at least during yes. the first half of the movie. It was very strange. There was yep. there's a lot of, it was it was really disorienting between that and you know not understanding how much time had passed and yeah, it was it's just a weird movie. It is. I'd, would you recommend people watch this movie? Uh, eh, no, probably not. No, I I think it's the first one that. If you have nothing going on on like, you know, some kind of like week night or something like that, like if you if you just kind of want a cheesy movie to watch, I think I kind of recommend it because I did laugh at it. Like, yeah, I did think it was unintentionally funny in a lot of ways. And I think that it's a it's an interesting dark side for Tom Cruise, like how bad Tom Cruise movies could possibly be. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I don't know. I mean, if if if. If I'm thinking about movies from this era, specifically Tom Cruise movies, I mean, uh, if it came down to this, like, I'm, I'm, if if someone said, oh, should I watch Cocktail? I would either say, no, you should watch Top Gun. Uh, and if they say, well, I've seen Top Gun, I would say, well, then you should watch The Color of Money. Right. Like, it, yeah. it's, I don't know. It's like, I don't know the situation in which I would say you should, you should watch Cocktail. I mean, I'm not saying don't watch it. It's perfectly fine fine i guess it's like, definitely it's the best good. movie we've we've watched to this point would you best yeah. of the worst movies yeah it's not it's not an awful experience i and yeah i think you know there's it, i guess yeah if you're looking for something that you can kind of shut your mind off for and just enjoy an early you know young tom cruise thing yeah sure i guess but i mean i it's if you're asking me personally would i recommend it i would say probably no yes i mean i think that I think it's a great group movie. I, I, like I maybe not a yeah. great group movie. It, it, this movie would be enhanced by watching it with multiple people. I believe if if no one cares about people talking over the movie and things like that, it's. It, I, yeah, I, I'm sorry. I was just gonna say I could see this being a movie that like, pe- a, a, a group of people enjoy and like reference. Right. <laughs> yes, I think so too. Judging by some of the Twitter feedback, I was surprised by the amount of people who've actually seen Cocktail. Um, yeah, just from people who sort of listen to the show and stuff like that, like people, people know it enough to reference it, and I, I was totally unfamiliar with everything that goes on about it. Um, this is the first one. This is the first one where I, uh, our, our friend Pat is is a is a is a decent Tom Cruise fan, and I asked him last night. I was like, "Have you seen Cocktail?" I was like, "Oh yeah," and I was like, "Oh man, that movie, huh?" And then he was like, "Well," and I was like, "Oh yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe I yeah, I'll, you know what? Forget it. I'll just, it's great." I don't need to talk about it. Do you know what the tagline for the movie is? Um, uh, shaken, not stirred. Or I don't know. When he pours, he rains. What? 
<laughs> Reigns is in R-E-I-G-N, obviously. I mean, so is that? I assume that's an inversion of when it rains, it pours, yes. right? Yep, yep. Yeah. <laughs> that's. It's not a good tagline, but it's it's interesting. It also has nothing to. It's not really great for the movie, but it's also a little bit too confusing for a tagline. I think on some level. Yeah, I'm surprised it didn't go with like drink up or something. Yes, or, yeah. Here's know. to you, Brian. Um, yeah, Brian. <laughs> Brian come come mix it up with cocktail or some stupid <laughs> shit like that. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, it's it's a it's a funny movie for all the little moments, but I, I think that we've uh, we've talked about it enough. It was I, I enjoyed it. My poster, my poster for cocktail would be um, just the text from that poem that he reads at the uh cell block whatever that yes yes the cell whatever block. that place was yeah where he's talking about the drinks and stuff uh, it would be just the text from that and it would just say tom cruise cocktail and i mean well clearly i this did this i assume this movie made money it made it this was the one of the most successful movies of 1988 yeah so don't listen to me but <laughs> it made 171 <laughs> million on a budget of 20 million wow yeah man you know the other thing that surprised me about this too is that it wasn't made by anybody like famous. No, like I didn't. I, I didn't look the guy up, but I didn't recognize the name either. Hayward Gould. Uh, he's Hayward Jablomi. Hayward Gould has written Rolling Thunder, The Boys from Brazil, Fort Apache, The Bronx, Sheets of Gold, Cocktail, and that's it. What has this director done? The director is Roger Donaldson, who has done. If the internet cooperates with me. Uh. He did No Way Out, 13 Days, Dante's Peak. Interesting. Yeah. That's it? Uh, no, he's got a bunch here. Hold on. Okay, Sleeping Dogs, sorry. Nutcase, The Bounty, Cadillac right, so yeah, Man. That, that's it. Oh, he did oh, Species. Oh, he did Cadillac he's Man? Species, the guy. A species? Yeah, oh, no, I'm kidding. Go. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah, so he's been working. Is he, he, does he, he do a lot of TV? Let me see here. No, he's only directed film, it looks like. Huh. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah, I'm. I'm uh, it's like... I guess it's. I, I guess I was surprised because I expected, because I knew Cocktail, I knew of Cocktail, and I knew it was a fairly famous Tom Cruise movie, so I expected more star power behind the person who made it. But at the same time, it's not like really visually interesting in the least. No, no, it's not. It's um. Unless, unless you count Elizabeth Shue, who yes, Machi Machi. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she's an attractive lady. The, um, let me see here. Yeah, I, I I don't think there's really much else to do with this one. It's um, it's interesting. I'll be looking forward to Risky Business because I think that that's a a very similar kind of movie, right? That will just be better made. So it'll be easier. To, uh, it'll be interesting to talk about the uh, the contradictions there and how they all sort of mash up with each other. And it's got Booger and Balky in it. Yep. No, it does. Um, I haven't seen that back, one back when. Back when you could play off Tom Cruise as, as being like a nerd with nerd friends. Yes. Well, I mean, yeah. Well, our final thing. Did you get the impression that Tom Cruise was a was a catch in this movie? Was Tom Cruise a cool guy in this movie? Was he supposed uh, to be a cool guy? I assumed so. I. It's tough. I mean, I think Tom Cruise is probably one of the hardest people to make that judgment call with looking back because he is what he is now but i guess he is what he is now then as well so it's not like you were casting a no-name guy in in this movie about right you know the fast-paced world of drink making i was um, i was just the movie doesn't portray him as being super successful with 
people. You know, like he's not true. He, true. He's not really killing it out there on the social scene aspect, which is weird to me. So I didn't really know if he was in over his head or if he's supposed to be the next big thing or whatever worked. I think the movie's just a little bit inconsistent. Yeah, and it's it's also not super clear about how applicable his skills are really to anything. Right. He goes from because, killing people to flipping bottles to working in Jamaica, I guess. Yeah, and like the thing that he learns, the stuff he learns with Brian Brown, it's like that is over so quickly that, okay, so now he's just a bartender. <laughs> who like who can, who like flips a cup in the air every couple minutes? Yeah, you know it wasn't. I, yeah, his 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 skill set was not super. It wasn't like he was out there um, uh, wallowing in nothingness in Jamaica with this set of skills that is it, he's just sitting on money. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I think that's it. We'll call it a day there. So thank you everybody for listening. Uh, we'll be back with. Risky Business, which will be the next Tom Cruise film coming up, and that'll be the that's his highest rated one. It's at like eighty seven percent or something like that. But that's check- a little surprising to me too. I'm surprised that they are so close together. And well, if it's not, I'm surprised a that it's not Top Gun. Yes. Um, and b that if it's not Top Gun, it's not something more recent. Yes, that that, that that's my surprise too. These are both the 80, like his early career. Tom Cruise says the extremes of it. But anyway, check out the social media and go to patreon.com slash the Penske file if you want to support the show, all that stuff. And we'll be back with Risky Business. So I think that's it. Clay, do you have anything you want to say? Uh, just once again, if uh, January 31st, my book Redline comes out in a collected edition, if you happen to be walking by a comic book store, or you know what? If you feel like going out of your way to a comic book store, picking one up, that would be great. Very much not for kids, though, so just keep that in mind. Yep. Just be sure to go during opening hours. Uh, you could say... You that red line is some risky business. <laughs> with that segue, we'll be back in a week or two with risky business. Thank you guys very much for listening. We'll see you next time.